Welcome to Reality of the Rose with your host, Natalie Sprink. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 43 of Reality of the Rose. I'm your host, Natalie Sprink. All right, so this is the day after the uh, Fantasy Suite episode that I'm recording this. So I made my notes. We will see if I can remember it. I honestly think, uh, obviously I will remember it, but really the most important part of this episode is about the last 45 minutes. And if you watched, you know what I mean. So this was so interesting and I have so many thoughts on how and what went down uh, between Clayton and Susie that I will definitely get into. But um, I'm going to be official here and begin with this beginning of the show and recap the whole thing. Um, there was a few things to note in the other parts of it too, but also I wanted to, um, still not sure what I'm going to do next week. Again, it's two episodes, two hours on Monday and then three hours on Tuesday. I'm assuming it's three hours normally is. And I've heard lots of things about the finale. Um, still keep hearing it's super explosive that no one can guess the ending that it's still not known. Um, I heard on Nick Viles podcast that he, along with quite a few other alum are being brought into the live show. I'm not exactly sure what role they're playing. If they're like playing mediators or helping Clayton out, I I'm no idea what capacity he wouldn't reveal that. And I'm not sure he even knew, but, um, he just mentioned that it seemed big, uh, that it probably is like a first. So, I mean, I feel like there's only a few things it can be, but, um, I don't know. It, I absolutely makes me want to watch and see where this is going, especially after this episode. So they are definitely getting us, uh, here with, just the enormity of what it seems and the unexpectedness and how it went down. But either way, let's get going because I, I probably will expand a bunch at the end. Uh, Okay. So episode starts and they're at the LAX airport and Clayton is headed to Iceland. It seems he is the only one in LAX airport and on his plane. So that must be nice. Uh, He declares that he might already be in love with Susan, Susan, (laughs) <laughs> who's she? I don't, I don't remember who she is, um, with Susie and he's falling in love with them all. This wording is so strange to me because he says, I might already be in love with Susie. If you're falling in love with someone or if you are in love with someone, you, th- I feel like you would know, and it wouldn't depend on just seeing them for one other date to determine, yes, yes, I am falling in love with them. And I have a theory on this, um, just because again, the way it went down with Susie, um, I'll just say it. My theory is that because it, when he had the argument with Susie at the end, he kept saying, I knew this would happen. I knew this was going to happen. I knew this is how it would go down or however he worded it, but he kept saying, I knew it. This is what I was afraid of. I think that the producers needed drama and because he has also said how worried he was about falling in love with multiple people. He has voiced that in ITMs numerous times and how worried he was that how it was going to happen. He didn't want that to happen and that he was almost closing himself off to that happening. Then all of a sudden, just all of a sudden he decides, Oh, I'm going to open up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to open up to all these women. I, that's it's time to do that. I, I believe 1000% that the producers coaxed him and in a way manipulated him, not in a way, I feel like they completely did. And that they said, look, I, if you don't start telling these girls that you're falling in love or loving them, I, they may leave. Um, and this is seen throughout some of the dates too, but I believe they coerced this and that's why he suddenly is declaring his love for other women. And also, wow, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but also he, you can't just tell one person you love them. So like, just say he, he told Susie, I love you the most. Sorry, I'm getting so way ahead again, but I'm just going to go with this while I'm thinking of it. I love you the most. So say that's true. And he does love her the most. 
Um, why, why you can't just obviously tell one person you love them because then for the show's sake, it's totally obvious who's going to win. And then it's not a show and there's no cliffhanger and you're not going, oh my gosh, who's he going to pick? Cause he's already told one person they loved him. So he either has to at least tell two or go ahead and tell all three, which technically he told two, he loved them. Gabby and I mean, Rachel and Susie, but he told Gabby, I'm in, falling in love with you. He technically didn't say, I love you, Gabby. So he did his, his due diligence so that we have the cliffhanger. Oh, I have so many thoughts. Okay. Back up. But I feel like just his wording and things like, I think I might already be in love with Susie. It's like, he doesn't even really know how to verbalize it. And that's how he's saying it. Okay. So back up. So course are still doing this thing where they give all the girls the same room when they're on fantasy suites they used to not do this for those of you that are new watchers they used to not do this when they got to fantasy suites all the women got their own place which makes so much more sense for their mental stability i mean come on these people are put through this is toward this has to be torturous and god bless these three women who at least like each other that they're trying to go through the motions but it's like they force these conversations to happen on camera and did you notice how tiny that little entryway is it's and the entryway is like that room must be tiny because the entryway the couch is like right by the door and they're crammed on this little couch together but anyway so they do the awkward conversation where they're sitting there all quiet and you know then they kind of start feeling like they can talk about it but yet they don't really like address the elephant in the room it's just such a weird 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 scenario that you are discussing that you all have the same boyfriend basically, and that you're all gonna, you know, have this very intimate date, but you have to discuss it in a way that like, you're happy for the other girls, but yet you're not. It, it's just bizarre and it's kind of messed up. And you can see where it messes with their minds because you have to also remember there's nothing else going on in their lives right now. They have no access to friends, family, phones, news, TV, nothing. This is all they have to dwell on. It has to be hell, honestly. So anyway, Jesse comes in and he talks about the fantasy suites and he gives a first date card and it's to Rachel. And, um, it just is like, all of it is awkward. It's just all awkward as normal. So, um, then Susie ITMs about, um, she already is starting. Okay. So they've already are starting this narrative and she's talking about how him taking a physical intimacy as seriously as she does is really important. And that she only has sex with people that are very important to her and that, so we're already starting to hear about how, how she holds, holds this in high regard. Okay. So she's, she's loading this. She says that she, if he is falling in love with all of them or is intimate with all of them or some of them that he, she may, this may change things for her. So we see this, keep in mind, Clayton doesn't have any idea that she's feeling this way. <clears throat> Segment two. So we have, um, Rachel's date, he is standing in the middle of literally nowhere. Uh, and she does, she gets out of her car, runs to him, tries to do a hooju. We see an almost hooju here, but God bless her. She has like 55 layers on in these big honking boots and it makes it literally impossible to do a good hooju, but she tries her best and, and she, she did all she could, but there was absolutely no ankle lock because she probably couldn't even touch her feet together. She had so many layers on. Um, it, I just was cold watching this and I live in a cold climate and I was cold watching this. <laughs> I had to put a cover on because, uh, uh, it was gorgeous, beautiful Iceland is, but man, did it look cold. Um, so she's wondering what they're going to do and shocking, shocking. It's a helicopter ride. All right. This is very recycled, but I have to say the Iceland was one of the most scenic helicopter rides from our perspective that I have seen. So I guess kudos to that, but we get our typical recycled helicopter ride. Fine. Um, <clears throat> he ITMs that it's time he let his walls down and maybe I can do that today. I, lots has to happen. You know, like you, man, this stuff is just it. like with these comments like this, it just is, seems so spoon fed that he is saying these things. Um, so their date is they go into a volcano. They're let down on this little elevator shaft, like, thing, whatever. And, um, so they get down there to where they're going and that's where they sit to have like this conversation about 
whatever they're having a conversation about, which seems like the oddest place in the world to have this like, I wouldn't call an intimate conversation. It it was really a fluffy bachelor conversation about how I'm so glad I'm here. This is so awesome. I feel Howard Hogtown's great. My family loved you great. I love them too. You know, it was the fluffy bachelor. And it's where I noticed that I feel like he and Rachel have more of a physical, I mean, not that I didn't notice I had a physical, uh, chemistry, physical relationship. What am I trying to say? You know what I mean? That it wasn't all physical because that has been blatantly clear to us. But it's where I realized that I felt like they have the, maybe the least, possibly the least depth. They, they never seem to talk about, of course, that's what we see aired, but they never seem to talk about anything real. It just seems just all black bachelor talk between them. And then they just start making out. So I, it's, I don't know whatever. But then she, we hear, this is a voiceover that she is worried that he's not opening up enough. Um, well, technically neither are you, but again, here they're sort of prepping for like setting up that she, they're setting up in my opinion, what they have threatened him with. If you don't say at least I'm falling in love with you or I'm in love with you. So basically she is saying, I'm worried he's not opening up enough, meaning he's not saying I love you. Um, which I don't doubt that they fed her that to say, or led her to say that. And however they asked the question, um, but they're loading that, that he, you know, okay, so yeah, maybe it's true. She really was going to maybe leave if I didn't say I love her, (laughs) which is ludicrous in and of itself. Um, by the way, I do love the show. Uh, segment three, <laughs> it's a love hate relationship, right? That's why I do the podcast. Segment three is the nighttime portion. And, um, well, first they start out with Gabby and Susie talking again in the little tiny room by the door. Um, and Gabby is saying that she is like the opposite of what Susie's worried about. And she verbalizes that to Susie saying that she, would like him to explore the other relationships and that that's okay with her because then she knows that he's done that and he is still choosing her and that that means a lot to her and that's, she feels like he should just do it. Susie comes out and says, that's not really the, that's not really how she feels. She doesn't feel the same way. And she doesn't know that that's possible that he can or fall in love with all of them, or maybe even any of them. So she is really showing signs of doubt while Gabby is seeming fairly confident, but I I don't put too much, uh, what's the word? I don't, I'm not putting too much on that as far as Gabby. I, you know, I'm fairly certain that he's not picking her anyway, but we'll get more into that. So, um, then, so it's a nighttime portion. Rachel declares that she loves Clayton and she says she has pushed herself to become fully open and vulnerable. Of course you have, because every freaking person on the show has said that. All right. So then she verbalizes to him that she's worried that she doesn't know where he's at and how she realized at the last rose ceremony that she didn't know at all how to read him and that she wasn't uh, um, eliminating in her head that she was going to be the one going home. And that's when she got really, really scared because she didn't know where he stands. Again, her threat that I'm going to leave if you don't say I love you, which the producers fed to him. So on cue on cue, he says that he is falling in love with her. Okay. At this point, he's just saying I'm falling in love. So she's super happy. She's excited that she hears it. He gives her the fantasy suite card and shocker of shockers. They, she accepts. So they go back then to Susie and Gabby and Susie, they're talking kind of, I guess, again, but Susie ITMs that sex is a big boundary to cross. And she is just being Again, they're just really pushing this narrative already. Um, She says if he thinks it's her and proceeds to sleep with the other women, she would have a hard time moving forward with him. Again, I have thoughts on this, but I'm going to wait till we get there. Okay. Segment four. Um, It's the next morning in the fantasy suite with he and Rachel. And we get the um, token, lots of clothes and shoes laying on the floor, thrown around. And... She is there in bed together and she is in a robe. Not that that matters, but I'm always interested to see what the girls are wearing. She's in a robe. He doesn't have a shirt on. I don't think I didn't notice that, but he ITMs that he knows how he feels and that he loves Rachel. 
Okay. So I guess the sex was good. And that changed her from falling in love to being in love. All right. I just kidding, but not really. I'm sure they had conversations too, but it's just like amazing how in a eight hour period or seven hours, as we hear later, that you can decide I'm no longer falling in love with you. I am actually in love with you. And we know that because they make breakfast. He like forklifts her up onto the counter and they make out. <clears throat> and when she, when he leaves, then she screams off the balcony, I love you. And he turns around and says, I love you too, Rachel. And then says, I'm going to miss you. Okay. So that's that. So then they show Susie and Gabby again, who are waiting for Rachel to get back in their little room on the couch by the door. <laughs> and, um, it sounds like that book where they keep repeating everything in the, in the mouse on the uh, with the cheese or the mouse by the door and the trap, uh, whatever. I just made that up. Okay. So then, um, just, well, as they're talking about her coming back and waiting for her to get back, um, she gets back and, um, you know, really they're only showing Susie in ITMs here. Um, and every time they're showing her, she is talking about the sex thing. Okay. Like that's all she's talking about when we get it producers. We we're, we already got it by now, but all right, keep showing it. So then, um, she gets back and it just, I get this conversations are so weird and forced and it, it, it's such a every season thing that I wish they would like change it up a little bit. I, I don't really know how, but you know, you know, they're obviously trying to push that this is a weird, like, we're not going to talk about the elephant in the room. Did you, or did you not have sex? I mean, don't you feel like they just feel like asking that? Okay. Did you, did you fuck them? I mean, don't you feel like that would, especially if you've become such good friends with these girls or would that be taboo? Would you actually really not want to know? Cause at least it was just a mystery in your head then. But the thing is you're going to know that's it. You're going to know when you watch this back, you're going to know if he did or not. So just find out ahead of time. I don't know. That's my theory. That's, I feel like what I would do. Um, so let's see. So, okay. So Rachel talks about how it's going to be hard for them, um, to all have to be seeing each other coming back from these dates. Yes. Yes, it will. <clears throat> so Gabby says, um, she's going to, um, get ready. Uh, but, but she's not actually, because what we actually know about the production of this show, and it's very clear is that these, I mean, there's no way they could do this anyway. They're not going to make Clayton come back from fantasy suite where he just had sex with one girl, take a shower and immediately start the date with the next because they probably literally don't sleep. But we do know this, that there is a day between. So she gets back. There's a whole entire day. And the next day is when Clayton goes on the next date with Gabby. She doesn't literally get up and start getting ready. And again, why do they... I know that's just semantics and it's not important whatsoever, but why do they make it seem like it's literally seconds later that they go on this next date? The poor guy would be freaking exhausted by day three, but that's an aside, but an interesting aside, I think. Um, I mean, like, why can't they just like, cut to the scene and make it look like it's the next day? Why, what would be wrong with that? And nothing it would make more sense. Okay. Segment five. Um, it is so Gabby's next and she is driven somewhere in a truck and they just drop her off and leave. <laughs> and she's standing in the middle of Iceland, freezing cold, I'm sure. And doesn't know she's turning around. Where's Clayton? Was that? Well, here he comes up in a UTV of some sort. And, um, I, she just seems like she is so cold. <laughs> Again, I'm cold watching this. I'm cold talking about it. Um, but they get into this UTV and they go put helmets on and they go riding around on the, it's very scenic, very beautiful, but they go riding around this beach for quite a while and there's screaming and laughing and can I drive? And yes. Okay, great. So then they go into um, this little restaurant, I guess, that's on the beach and have coffee and they were talking. So that like, like where Rachel and Clayton had their little conversation at the bottom of a volcano. <laughs> lot more logically, they have their conversation in a coffee shop and they'd start talking about the same kind of just general fluffy bachelor stuff about how hard this is. But Gabby here verbalizes to him about how she 
what she told Susie about how she wants him to explore these other relationships. So if it is her that he knows for sure it's her, they talk a little bit about her family. One thing I noticed about Gabby, I kind of noticed it when she was talking to Susie, but I really noticed it during this. And I'm very pick up a lot because I'm big, a big, and I, you know, I'm sure I'm guilty of it myself sometimes, but I'm very big on listening, like someone truly listening. <clears throat> and when you're constantly responding with every third or fourth word that the person is saying by going, yep, 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 yep. I don't believe that you're truly listening. I, I don't believe you're truly listening because every time you're saying, yep, that takes a second while that person's talking, you're probably missing two or three words they're saying. And it also implies that you already know what they're saying. You know, it also can imply, yes, I agree with what you're saying, but it can become annoying. And she does it a lot. She says, yeah, 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 totally. Yep, totally. Yep, yep, totally. I Go back and watch it. I swear she says it every third or fourth word he says. And it, it got to the where I couldn't not notice it. And I literally was not listening to what he was saying because I kept hearing her say, yeah, yeah, totally. Did she actually hear anything he said? I doubt it. And I makes me crazy. Anyway, that's a tangent. All right. So just thought I'd point that out, <clears throat> but she did the same thing to Susie earlier, but it was just maybe not quite as bad. Um, but he tells her at while, Oh wait, where am I at? Okay. Um, then it cuts to segment six. So they finish that little thing. Um, it's a nighttime portion of her day. And I will say that on this nighttime portion, she is so pretty. I absolutely loved this slip dress she was wearing. It was so, so, so flattering on her. And I loved how her hair was fixed. And it was like kind of like a messy half up, half down. I just thought she looked probably her prettiest, prettiest on this date. I just thought I'd point that out as well, despite the yows and totalies. Um, but at this dinner, he tells her he's falling in love with her and he says he's not going to fight the feelings anymore. Kind of does the same thing. We're like, I decided I'm going to open up now. Now I'm ready to open up. I'm going to just let the feelings flow. Um, I still don't, I, I don't know. I've not been in this world. I've not been like in this confusing position that he is in where he has nothing else to think about and focus on, but this, so I have to give any lead this and contestant for that matter, but I truly don't think it's possible to fall in love with three people at one time. I just don't think it's possible. Um, later what he says about it's different feelings. Yes, I can, I can believe that you have different kinds of feelings of love. I believe that his love for Gabby is like a love of a friend. Like he really loves her as a person, but is not romantically in love with her. That's what I think. And that's totally their vibe. I think, I think that she's like this funny, quirky person and that he likes that and she's fun to be around and there she like whatever. But I never have felt this like massive chemistry between them. So I don't really think she's in the mix for any of this huge, big, massive drama that's going to go down next week. I just think she's going to be like a casualty, unfortunately. So, um, but whatever. Okay. So personally, like I said, I don't, I don't think it's possible, but that's the show. All right. So he gives her the fantasy sweet card and yep, they go on the same thing. They go on the date. We're not shocked by this at all. And they get one of those, what are those called? Yurt, a yurt? Is that, is that, am I saying that right? Or am I totally off base? I feel like it starts with a Y and it's one syllable. I'm just going to call it a yurt. Uh, someone correct me if that's wrong, but it was one of these, those cool dome, like clear dome rooms or whatever. And half of it at least is taken up by a bed in this one. Um, <clears throat> so then they go back to Susie and it's so funny how they are just working that to death. Okay. So this time, very ironic. Don't know if you notice this, but she is walking down a spiral. It's such an interesting camera angle, but she's walking, which I wonder where this spiral staircase is because if it, if they have a spiral staircase in their room, this has to just like be in the lobby of the hotel, because if that's in their room, why are they stuck sitting on that tiny little couch up by the door in this tiny little room? <laughs> because the whole place is taken up by this massive staircase. Okay. But she's walking down a spiral staircase. The camera angles like up. 
So it shows her like it shows her like an up angle of her and she's walking down a spiral staircase while she is saying that she's spiraling. Get it? While they are also playing this very, like very dramatic, very dramatic music, unlike music they usually ever play. It's not typical Bachelor music. And I always know that because I, I don't usually notice music in the background, but when it's off, like the music they would play during Sinead's villain edits was like this, like almost creepy horror movie music, but it was so different when they normally play. I would notice it. it was the same thing with this. So they're playing this weird music. She's talking about spiraling as she comes down the spiral <laughs> staircase. And, um, it reminded me of the music, like, you know, when you're like watching a Broadway show musical and they have like the drama scene and they have like the orchestra on the background playing definitely like dramatic orchestra music. That's what it sounded like to me. Um, but she's definitely stressing and obsessing about this whole sex thing and what's happening on the other dates. And she now is crying in her ITM. Okay. So then we're cutting to seven segment seven. It's the morning of Gabby's date. Again, we get the token clothes th thrown all over the place and shoes and all that. And, um, he eats or they eat. Uh, actually that was kind of a little funny thing that he brought the tray with the food and the champagne. She's like, where's yours? It's kind of cute. Uh, he leaves and he says how much fun it was and all that. And, um, then he, but he didn't say he said something about falling in love again. Doesn't, doesn't say that he loves her. But then he does his signature freaking loud ass yell. I don't know what it is with him and his yelling, but he gets down to the car and he yells, yells, I'm, I'm falling in love and it feels so good. This is the scene we have seen numerous, numerous times in the previews. And we finally get to see what it was in reference to. And that's what it was in reference to. But again, he says, I'm falling in love. He doesn't say I'm in love. So then Gabby returns to the room with, with, to the tiny couch room by the door. And again, it's this weird exchange. And again, how can it not be awkward? But it, it's also funny what they choose to air because I'm sure the conversations are way longer, but what they aired was, um, Gabby, no, sorry, Susie saying something like you had that she has bedhead. Gabby has bed. <laughs> Okay. And then, and Gabby's like, Oh, do I, Oh, is it, all right. Does it look okay? I mean, I don't know. It was just so weird. I just don't like how they're editing. This is just crazy. So, and of course she's trying very hard to only talk about like the non-sexual parts of the date and like just the stuff that she thinks they'll be interested in instead of just saying, okay, elephant out of the room, we had sex. <coughs> so, um, but you, you know, of course I definitely make it look like Susie is so not into hearing about any of it. Really? So, um, so then let's see. Um, okay. So the turn, I'm go sorry. I'm going through my notes. Um, so it's driving Susie crazy. Um, and she's like ITMs that she's not, it's making her crazy that no one's expressing the feelings that were exchanged between them. But I feel like that would be good, but maybe, but again, like, or it could be the thing where, Oh, hang on. I, I think my 30 minutes is almost up. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm back. I hate that 30 minute thing. I really wish they would change that about this platform. I don't, I don't understand how come you can only record up to 30 minutes. It doesn't really make sense to me, but all right. So that's basically the end of a segment seven. I was just going to say that, um, he, he, what I, again, it's wording with him, with, uh, with Clayton, obviously that's what I'm talking about. Um, he ITMs that he could feel that way about Susie. You know, he's at the end of Gabby's date and now it's Susie's turn and they ITM, they show him ITMing that he could feel that way about Susie too, meaning falling in love. And, and like, it, I just feel like he's almost getting confused about what that even means. And like, like, it's like he's watching his words, but he's almost doing it too hard because I, you could, you have one more date with her. I, I feel like it should be stronger, but anyway, we find out that it, that's probably way different. And he, again, is just being too careful about what he's saying. And he also gets upset because he's like cries in his ITM saying he didn't want to fall for multiple people. All right. <clears throat> so get to segment eight. <clears throat> 
we're on Susie's date and made me laugh because it was a perfect place to do a huju. Like it was like solid ground and it was a perfect little running path that she could have done a huju. It was so freaking windy. I again felt so sorry for her and them. Like it was almost that kind of wind where you could lean into it and it would just hold you up and and that was going against her. So for her to do huju would have been completely, completely impossible. But it was so funny because she was like trying to walk towards him and her hair's like literally straight back. And I mean, it's so windy. I couldn't believe how windy it was. And he was like, do the jump, which again, I love when they do this stuff because like they know that it's expected. It's not natural. And he was like, do the jump. And she's like, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. She said, I can't do it. No. Um, I, I thought that was kind of funny. All right. So their date is that they go to this like hot springs thing. They like suppose that it's like natural hot springs, but like the method is that you go from hot to cold. So like first they went to this cold mist room and then they went to, I guess, like a more like a sauna y thing, but then they had to go into this cold pool and then they got to go into this warm pool and like, it looked awful. <laughs> then they like rubbed sea salt on each other and then they took a hot shower and were making out. So it's weird because she jumps into this date, you know, they've spent the entire rest of the show with her stressing about, uh, the sex thing and all that. And him saying, I love you to multiple people. And, the, she gets on this initial date and maybe she, at this point she's just like, okay, I'm just going to make the best of this. I'm going to do the best I can and blah, blah, blah. But like you wouldn't have guessed at all on this daytime portion of this date that she was stressed at all. I mean, she seemed like to be having this really good time with him. And it's also where I realized that she is the one that he seems to have more of a, uh, in addition to physical chemistry has more of a, and I don't know how, how you say that. Like, I don't want to say deep because you can't tell it's deep, but she just seems easier to have a conversation with and more natural to have a conversation with. It seems like when Rachel has to have a conversation, she doesn't know what to say except bachelor stuff about how I love to be here. And she's just smiling with this like wooing smile and like, can't wait to kiss him. And that's it. But at least Susie feels like she is so easy to have a conversation with and that he feels that too. And they can joke around while, I don't know, it just, this show really displayed that to me more than I had realized before. But then it like, I was like, yeah, I feel like that's been in other times too on this show. Um, I mean, it almost made me wonder at that time, maybe it's not Rachel, but yet, it seems so obvious as, I don't know. All right, whatever. So, okay. So, uh, kind of cool date, I guess, literally, you know, but again, it just felt like she was cold all the time. <laughs> I was so, um, so he says to, in an ITM that his love for her is on another level. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> that's like almost like a preview of things to come. It's on another level. So he's almost saying, well, not almost, it's saying on another level than the other two women too. So then we get to segment nine and I'm just, I may have to quit this because we have a meeting. <laughs> I, don't you love how I bring my real life into these recordings and don't just try to like edit it to make it sound like this is all one recording, but we have a meeting in about 15 minutes. And I know I'm not going to finish in 15 minutes, so I probably will have to stop and let's start up later again. Not that you'll know the difference, but I'll have to just stop randomly. So just warning you. <clears throat> so we're at the nighttime portion. Uh, I have a note here, like as a side note, um, I love, love, love that they've added travel. I think it's really added a lot to the show. And I talked about this on another podcast, but, um, it, it makes it more seem more like the real bachelor. But have you noticed that, even though they're traveling, that they are rarely around many other people at all. Like it used to be they'd travel and they'd like go into the cities and they'd be around a lot of people and they'd go to concerts and they'd go to like where there was a lot of people. It was almost like they had an audience themselves. And, um, but they've stayed very isolated, like especially the, well, it is Iceland, but they've stayed very isolated. But even on other dates, if you, if you notice that or not, I don't know, but there may be a few people around, but I'm assuming that's because of COVID too, that they're like, okay, we're going to travel, but we're not going to be in crowds, which makes sense. But anyway, I just noticed that. So 
All right, here we go. So we get to Clayton and he is telling Susie in a long drawn out explanation about his walls. And then he finally comes out and says that he loves her. And her reaction is very kind of strange because she is like very surprised and is like, oh, oh, um, like I'm really surprised to hear that. And I feel like this also shows that she definitely is a watcher of the sport, the game called Bachelor. And she knows that it's fairly a new thing to actually profess that you love someone already. And so she said she's anyway, she says she is, uh, surprised to hear this. And Susie tells him that she has expectations too. And she flat out here. I mean, it just starts this way there. They, they didn't have a lot of like fluffy conversation before this, but she flat out asks if he feels the same way about anyone else, or if he's had sex with someone else. And I would say this is a very true moment of true shock by him. I don't think he had I don't think producers gave him any, any, any kind of heads up that this could happen. Okay. So, well, okay. God, I have so much I want to say that I hope I can even think of it all and say it all, but I just, it wants to all come flowing out. But so maybe I should just do that. So I don't forget it because if I don't say it when I'm thinking it, I might forget to say it later. Um, it's no accident that Susie is the third date. Absolutely no accident whatsoever. When the producers found out that she had some reservations and who knows, she didn't, I mean, she didn't, she didn't verbalize it the whole season to him. Who knows if she said it to anybody else, but very likely she said it to a producer and a producer used this and said, you know, like she may have even said, I wonder if I should tell him that. And they're probably like, no, I mean, I don't think you really need to tell him that, you know, if he really loves you, he'll, he probably won't sleep with someone anyway. And okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is no accident, and I hope everyone realizes that, that this was saved until the last date. No accident whatsoever. So this was all set up uh, and poor them because they're, it's, okay, whatever. So this is not set up. It's, I said that like 15 times already. I mean, this is set up. This is no accident. Um, <clears throat> but he stammers, very shocked. You can tell he is like, doesn't even know what to say. Very shocked by this response. Um, and she says, if I'm sharing your love with someone else, I don't think I'd be comfortable. And then she just kind of like, like that's kind of where she ends the sentence and he stammers a lot. I think mostly because he just like, can't believe it. And he, she takes a drink of water and he says, I guess I'm just really surprised because I understood you to say that you wanted me to explore other relationships. Now, I don't think we ever heard her say this to him, but obviously we don't see everything. So whether she said that or not, or if he's just remembering that Gabby said that, <laughs> thinks it's her, I don't know. She doesn't really say, I never said that. You know, she doesn't really confirm or deny. She's just kind of nodding. She nods her head at that. Specifically, she just nods her head at him saying that. And, but then he says, I mean, how can't, he has to, he's forced to, she first forced him into the, which is fine. But she said, he says, uh, to answer your question, yes. He says, yes, I have told other, how did he say it? I should have wrote it down exactly. Yes, I have voiced uh, feelings of love to someone else and I have slept with someone else. At this point, he's not saying I slept with both of them. He just says I have slept with someone else and has expressed feelings of falling in love. That's what he said to her. Okay, cut to segment 10. He says, but then he says that there, there are different feelings with each one which I, I get, I get what he's means. It doesn't sound real good to her probably, but I, I understand what he means. But in this position, you know, you shouldn't necessarily be saying you love someone if you don't like truly like have a massively romantic feeling of love for them. You're just getting yourself into trouble. But again, I will reiterate that I feel like he probably didn't really want to do this, but he was manipulated to, like, you better say this. I feel like they saw this coming. They saw, man, this, like, this seems like a really good, uh, path to go down for some drama. Um, she says, so she expresses that if he thought there was an inkling of, I want to be with Susie, you would protect me in that way. Meaning if it really is me, then why would you even want to sleep with other people? And I know that other people haven't. And I, I'm sorry, I reference him all the time. But Nick Vial said that <clears throat> when he had his fantasy suites, he knew for sure that it was um, 
Vanessa. That's who he chose. And he did not sleep with the other two for that specific reason. He said, I knew enough that it was Vanessa that out of respect for Vanessa, I just did not sleep with the other two. And he said it was like the most awkward thing because they both like tried to have sex with him, but like he had to think of ways to like not do it and just to have conversation or whatever. So it's been done, but I think it's also plenty, plenty, plenty been done where the lead just sleeps with all of them. Okay. So, but she says this and he says he doesn't want her to walk away because she definitely implies that she's not comfortable and that she doesn't know if she can go through with this. He says he doesn't want her to walk away because of this. And he tells her he's the most in love with her. All right. This changes everything for me. I don't know whether he says this in the gist of the moment because he's desperate to keep her to stay, but in a way that also shows that he is desperate for her to stay. Like he, whether he realized it in the moment, like, shit, I really think I don't, I did this. I'm panicking. I don't want her to leave. I really, I really do think I love her and I need to tell her that she's the most important one. And like, if he like says that in a panic because he's just realizing it, or if he knew it the whole time and now he's gotten himself into a hole and he can't get out of it. But either way, the fact that he's most love with her, I feel like maybe we were all wrong the whole time and he was going to always pick, pick her. Now she says this makes it worse for her and it makes her more sad and it's hard to for sure knows what she means by that. Does it make it worse for her because this makes it harder for her to walk away? Um, I have a theory, but this is where I'm going to have to stop <laughs> because I have to leave, uh, get ready for this meeting. So um, I'm going to pick up and like go off when I come back, which you won't even realize I was gone, but I'm just telling you that I'm stopping for now. So see you in a bit. Okay. I'm back. Didn't, did you miss me? Um, all right. So let me see if I can get back on my tangent here. All right. So we were at the point, I believe when I was saying how she said it makes it worse for her when he said he loves her the most, she said, it makes it worse for her. It makes her more sad. And she says, um, she's, she didn't want to actually give him an ultimatum to not sleep with anyone like earlier in the season, but that this is a big thing to her and she doesn't think she can get past it. So part of me feels like she is a little bit contradictory because she is saying, I mean, I get it. I really, okay. This is the thing where I get both of their sides. I really truly do get both sides. Like I agree with her theory that in, but, but it's in my opinion, it that's in a perfect normal world and setting. This is like the opposite of that. And in a way you know what you sign up for. And that sounds like a cliche anymore, but you do. And you know, full well, if you make it to fantasy suites, there's every likelihood that he is going to sleep with more than one person. That doesn't always happen. And I know you would love to think that if you truly are the one that like Nick Vile did, he, he would protect you in that sense and not sleep with the other women, but there's also probably just as good a chance that they are. And so <clears throat> to, to assume that he, like, he's not going to do that and to sort of hold that over his head and say, you're going to leave and not even try. Like, so then he also offered, let me see, I mean, I don't want to miss anything in my notes. He said that he, if, had he known that this was a deal breaker, he would have probably done things different or changed like his, how he did things. <clears throat> um, him saying all these things just really, excuse me, I'll take a drink, <coughs> makes him seem like he is completely thrown off by this, by her saying this, is saying whatever he can to try and get her to stay because she actually was the one he was going to choose. And he is saying whatever he has to, like, if I would have known this, I would have done things different. I wouldn't, wouldn't have been like, why didn't you tell me? And there's also that theory where, <coughs> so sorry, let me try to take one more drink. Otherwise I'm going to have to stop. Hold on. There's also the other theory that he can't read your mind. So how does he know that? Because then on the other hand, he has a Gabby 
who is telling him, look, I want you to explore this and I want you to pick me in the end. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to have to stop again. This is the most cut up. Hold on. Oh, I'm so sorry. I have got a cold and I was doing good a while ago, but now my throat is so dry. Sorry. All right. So, um, you know, she, he can't read her mind. So he has Gabby on the other hand saying like, you need to do this. So really how's a poor guy supposed to navigate all this, you know? But on the other hand, I know I get that it's such a weird freaking thing that you're just going to sleep with three girls in one week and be like, hmm, what do you mean? Mighty mo kind of, of a deal, you know? So I really, really truly see both sides. And he said he hopes that what they have is worth fighting for. And she says she feels like she needs to have someone that would just choose her. Like that just would choose her and not want the other. Well, okay, we all do, but, and, and you should have that, but you went on the bachelor. So you're, you were one of 30 women originally. So he isn't just going to choose you. This, this is a whole weird freaking show in such an unnatural condition. You can't just expect that he's going to drop everything to choose you. There may have been those situations in some seasons, but obviously that wasn't in one of these. And he offers that what, like, I forget how he said it. He goes, why don't we just take the set like, like the next seven hours, which I'm assuming he's implying, let's just do the fantasy suite and at least just talk this through. And it was like, she didn't want to do that. It was just like, I can't get past this. He seems, so he seemed like, okay, so I've made that my notes. He seems desperate to make this work. Want to do the fantasy suite to continue to talk it through, but she was really not giving it up. This is where my theory comes in and just hear me out. I think there had to be more to this. And if you notice, okay, wait, hang on. Let me just go a little bit further. So then at this point, he seems frustrated. They're still sitting. They're just still sitting at the table at this point. He seems frustrated that she didn't tell him that this is deal breaker. And then puts it on him that she's leaving because he did that. So, you know, like I said, I get both sides. I really, at this point, get both sides. So then she just like gets up and says, I can't. And I just feel like, I feel like this whole episode from the time they started talking about this to the time she left in the vehicle was way, 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 way longer than we saw. I have a feeling it was like <coughs> an hour or more. And I really, really wonder whether she didn't know at this point that she was under serious, serious consideration to be the bachelorette. Because all along, I've said that, and you can go back in my podcast, but I've said, she, I just know she's going to be the next bachelorette. She's like the mold that they put the bachelorette, like that they make for a bachelorette. Like she fits it to a T. And now the producer set her up with this whole storyline perfectly as a bachelorette edit. And I just feel like there has to be something else to this that made her be so emphatic. Like, I just can't, I just can't make this. It just, it's just a deal breaker for me because, and I know they can choose to edit what they want, but we didn't hear anything about this. The entire, the entire season, she made no qualms about anything that if she made it to a certain point and that she was even threatened by other relationships or anything, they never showed her <coughs> being very like self-conscious about it or paranoid or upset. Like even Rachel, they would show being like, Oh, I felt like this was a really hard week for me. Cause I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I feel like she didn't even say that that much. And then bam, in this episode, that's all you hear in her ITMs is her talking about this sex thing. She like rejects him immediately when he admits that he slept with other women, which in a way I like sounds so ludicrous because I think in like, again, in a real world, anyone would be mad, but this is not the real world. I just think that, and I think that, I think that maybe she's already known her about bachelorette. And so maybe she didn't love him quite as much as she would love being the bachelorette. I'm not saying that that's even a bad thing because maybe given the circumstances, like, 
okay, well, I'll take the bachelorette. If he didn't sleep with anybody, then I'll go with him. But if he did, boy, that bachelorette thing sounds really good. Whatever. I'm projecting here. I don't know. And I don't know that that's it, but it just seems like there has to be more to it. And I really, really wonder whether the producers had not already talked about her to be in bachelorette because even when she left, I felt like she was upset, but not as upset as one would think she was. And then Okay, so then I also wonder at this point whether Clayton was also kind of just pissed at the producers. And I I think that part of the conversation and things that we missed was them talking about producers and productions and how, and I feel like it clicked with Clayton and he was like, in his own mind, like this is how come they wanted her to go last with, with fantasy suites. And I know that they knew all this stuff and they gave me no inclination whatsoever. And they set it up like this and they set this up just perfectly. And if the bachelorette thing like came up, maybe he even said, is this because if, if you don't get this, you're going to be the bachelorette, you know? And she was like, and she was maybe like, well, that's not, that was talked about, but whatever. I just wonder how much we haven't heard or talked about and how maybe that partly played. I wonder if part of him wasn't just pissed at production and he a little bit took it out on her. Not that I think that's right at all, at all, at all. But <clears throat> I just feel like it was too cut and dried. She was too like, nope, absolutely. I don't, I mean, what would it have hurt for her to be like, okay, we can just do the fantasy suite and we can try and talk this out, but I, I don't know if it's going to change my mind. Why wasn't she at least willing to just do that? I and mean, he was practically begging her to at least do that. And so anyway, so she gets up, um, she goes and talks to a producer on the side. They show that not like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And then he walks out and he, that's when he says, this is exactly what I was afraid of. This is exactly what I was afraid of. Literally everything is invalidated, which to me, that was at him sort of lashing out without being obvious more to production than to her, because I felt like that was him saying, see, I knew I shouldn't have told all these women I loved him. You guys just pressure me. They said that was so important for me to say I loved him. You know, I knew, I knew this is exactly what I just felt like that was more directed at the producers and her. So, okay. Then we cut to segment 11 and Jesse comes to Clayton. Like he comes out of nowhere. <laughs> like what? that's why I also think this was all so planned because <clears throat> I've heard again on podcasts and things that there's sometimes where the host is not even like around, like if they know they're not going to really need a host for a hosting portion of the show. Like I think in fantasy suites, I'm not sure that Chris Harrison was around much at all, really. And the fact that Jesse was just like there, I mean, they're out in the middle of freaking nowhere and he happens to just be there. So they knew something was going to blow up that he happened to just be there because he wouldn't normally be there. He wasn't at any of the other fantasy suites. And so he just comes in and, um, what did he say? Okay. Uh, well, let me see. Okay. So he says he's blown away and this is Clayton. He's I'm blown away and he explains it to Jesse. And then she continues to cry to Brewster and says, she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know what to do. <clears throat> Jesse tells him he's sorry. And he know that he knows that he was in love with her. He uses the past tense. He said, I know that you were in love with her, which my thinking on him using it in past tense is not is because Jesse might know more too, that he knows that she's slated to be the bachelorette and knows it's over, like that there's no going back and that this is just it. Because why wouldn't he be, why wouldn't Jesse be like, well, <clears throat> are you sure she wouldn't like go to fantasy suites or maybe you guys can work this out or why don't you try this? Like present tense. But it was just like, for Jesse, it was a foregone conclusion. And he was like, ah, oh, man, I'm sorry. I know you were in love with her. Okay. I, I don't know. I just thought that wording was quite interesting. So then Clayton says she's just destroyed him. <clears throat> and then Susie comes out and Jesse's like, I'll leave you guys alone. <laughs> I'll just leave you guys alone. So Susie comes out, she asks how it's going and, and do you want to come inside? And that she admits she probably should have had that conversation with him, but she didn't know that he had that strong feelings about the other women. And I have to say 
that probably, at least in very, very, very many years, this was probably one of the most real um, situations or scenarios that I've ever seen in the Bachelor franchise at any point. Like, this wasn't like I always talk about, like the Bachelor language and the Bachelor fluff and the Bachelor like repeated phrases that you hear over and over and over and the making out and all that. This seemed like a true to life, real, in the moment, legitimate argument <clears throat> between the two of them where they both had their sides. <clears throat> they both had decent arguments, but I did feel like she empathized with him a little more than he did her, especially at the end. I don't think he handled it real well at the very end. I think he kind of came across as a little bit of a dick to her, but, but, and I'm, and I don't excuse that whatsoever. Like, and, and then, you know, I've heard that like, there's the angle where, okay, well, if this is how he acts when they have a test in their relationship and he just like flies off the handle and, you know, raises her voice at her and is quite cold, you know, that, that, that's, is that maybe not a good indication of someone you would want to be with? Because is that how they're going to get in every single argument? And, you know, that, that kind of thing. But then I also think this is, again, this is not a normal situation. You are, this is high, 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 high pressure for Clayton. This is in a bubble. You've had no exposure to the outside world. This has been your life and your focus for the last eight weeks with nothing to focus your mind on other than this. And I just feel like everything is heightened to the millionth percent. So I don't feel like you can truly take a situation like this and completely judge a person's character. It can be a judge of character, but I can't, I don't feel like you can solely rely on this as a judge of someone's character. Now I will say that I thought that, that, uh, Susie handled it. Like I said, very emphatic, you know, with a lot of empathy, I don't know what word I was looking for there, but with, I thought she handled him with like, it felt like she was listening to what he was saying, but that she truly was confused about her feelings, but it just seemed like she was so entrenched and I just, I don't know what to do. And let's see. Okay. So then she says, she feels awful about this whole thing. He said, I'm just going to be honest with you. You just invalidated everything we had. And to him, if she cared so much about him and all that, and all of that was true, you would work through something like this. And I don't disagree with that either. And then she says she realized she effed this up and she knows it's over. And she says she feels like this is ending. And he says, because you put an end to it. And so it, in a way it feels like it's, it feels like she's waffling a little bit in, in when I mean waffling, I'm saying that, She's like, oh, I know I really messed up and I know this is over. And, and in that respect, she's saying, I feel like this is my fault. But then she says, I feel like this is ending. And that almost feels like she's putting it on him. But then that's when he says, it's because you're putting an end to it. And then he says, he doesn't even know who he's looking at anymore. She said, he says she dropped a bombshell on him and he doesn't agree at all how she went about this. He says he's going to walk her out and he's pissed. I mean, you can tell he is freaking pissed off as he's walking out the door. And <clears throat> here again, I feel like we've just, we've missed out on a whole bunch of conversation that I feel like had to do with behind the scenes stuff that we aren't supposed to know. Uh, I really, really feel that that's true. But he, anyway, so he's pissed. They're walking out. She, he's like leading the way and just like stomping off. And the whole way to the car, she's like saying she wants to know, she wants him to know that this really was, this was absolutely real for her. And she's so sorry for the pain she caused him. And she just feels awful. This is also to me, a little bit of proof that she knows there's something else waiting for her because it's as if she's, she's not at all. Like, I don't know, that wording just seems like her way of ending it but trying to take a little bit of the blame so that like he's not com maybe completely made to look like the bad guy, but yet she is getting a little bit of a good edit. Now I don't think she's that manipulative and that she's that like looking into it that much, but 
it was, I don't know. It just like her saying that this was real for her. I'm sorry for the pain I caused you. Like it was still making her like look good. Like I'm going to take some of this blame. I'm owning some of this myself, which she should. So then he says, because of his faith, he believes everything happens for a reason and that he was meant to go through this for some reason and that he will find someone that is willing to stick it out and fight for what they have. And uh, he said, this is how, just how it was supposed to end. And I'm just done. And <laughs> like, he did seem very, very cold in that moment. And, you know, one could argue that, well, now you're just giving up and you're not willing to fight. But then you could also argue that he did try to fight and was like desperate to like continue the fantasy date. Like, let's work this out. Let's work this out. And she was just like, no, I'm just don't know. I just, I'm so confused. I just don't know. I just don't know. Like, and again, in this world, why is it not okay? It's like they, it's like you either have to say, um, yes, we're going to be together fully or no, we're not at all. Why is it not okay for him in that moment? Cause that's kind of what Colton did on with Cassie in his season. When she left, he said that I'm done. And he went to the other girls and said, I'm sorry. Like our, it's, you know, it's over. I was going to pick Cassie. I'm just going to tell you that now. And you know, this basically the show's ending. He could have done something like that, but it, but she was not open to that either. Like, she eliminated herself kind of like Cassie did, but he, instead of like being like Colton, like I'm going to fight for her. He was like, F this I'm, I'm done. Like I and then, and then, okay. So then let's see. Uh, I, I made a note again that this is totally a bachelorette edit too. And then they show him sitting there. She's gone then. And they show him sitting down, like kind of head in his, in his, in his hands. And he said, He's like, this is obviously he's talking to producers and he said, I, it's, I'm done. He said, he, my heart is not in this anymore at all. I, it's over. And then they are done. Then they, the show's over. And then we get very, very dramatic. A lot of actually previews that we haven't seen before. Like there's several of he and Gabby where Gabby's telling him, I think we kind of have seen some of that, but Gabby's telling him she can't trust anything he says. We see them both crying a whole bunch. Now we understand what he meant by, I fell in love with all three of you and I've been intimate with both of you. That's because Susie has left. He was in love with all three of them. And now there's just two standing in front of him and I was intimate with both of you. So, <clears throat> um, I just, I don't know. I honestly, I can't wait till Monday and Tuesday to see how this really does play out. I am definitely not ruling out. Susie coming back in some capacity, whether she comes back on the last show or whether she comes back on the, after the final rose live show. I don't know about that, but I feel like there's a very good chance that we don't see the last of Susie. I really think that she may come back. Um, but that's just my thoughts. I, I think that that whole fight went way deeper than just her I think superficial, like, I feel like that's all true, but I feel like it went way deeper than that. And I feel like that bachelorette edit played part in it or that bachelorette offer has played a part in this. And I feel like <clears throat> him being pissed and then both kind of being pissed at how production manipulated this whole thing. And it actually hurt him. Like, like it, just think like if he really did like feel the strongest about Susie. Now that's the other thing. Him saying, I love you the most like say he did pick Gabby or Rachel and they're watching this back and they hear him saying, I actually loved you the most and making them feel like if he actually was going to pick one of them or does or however this plays out. Um, and then watching that back, wouldn't you be like, um, no, thank you. I didn't know I was your sloppy second. So I, uh, sorry, no. Um, this is interesting. This was, I didn't really, I didn't expect this. I, I had heard on a podcast or two, a couple people predict that Susie was going to walk away. Um, it was a little bit in jest, but I am impressed that they call that, um, didn't expect it to be in this form or fashion. Um, but I do, I felt like it was a very real argument and I, and, and that really drew me in. 
which is what a reality show is supposed to be. It's supposed to be like real conversations that you're, it's, it's almost like you're eavesdropping in on that everyone has at some point in their life, some kind of argument, like whatever, whatever it's about. But it was like, you were eavesdropping on someone's argument. And it was like a real argument wasn't scripted whatsoever. Um, I'm sure it was highly edited and stuff was taken out that they didn't want us to hear, but it was so real and it was fascinating to me. And I, I had to rewind, I rewound it. I don't know how many parts several times to hear what they said again, because it was just interesting. And I don't want to take pleasure in someone else's pain, but it was very, I mean, it was good TV, absolutely good TV. And I have a feeling next Monday, Tuesday, both will. But anyway, <clears throat> if you feel like it, let me know what you think of my theory about, about her and the bachelorette and about it being just, you know, Clayton being pissed off, not just at her, but also how production manipulated this whole thing. And I still think to this day that he regrets being the bachelor. I just feel like he does. But anyway, um, that's it. <laughs> I, with all my interruptions and breaks and everything, I don't know how long this is going to end up being, but I just talked for 20 minutes. So I'm sure this is well over an hour, but, um, thank you for tuning into this one. And I, I really thought this was good. And, uh, I very much enjoyed analyzing that last part a lot. Um, but again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, as always, I, I want to end with a Bible verse. <laughs> it always sounds kind of weird because of what we talk about, but I don't, you know, I just do. I like, I like my Bible verses. They, they have helped me through so many times in my life and like, they speak so much truth and this is a little bit applicable to this. So it's, um, First John three verse 18. And it is dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. <clears throat> so thank you guys for listening. Um, again, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to be doing next week with it. Um, I may do a podcast both Monday and Tuesday night, um, but we shall see. And I will let you know, but anyway, enjoy your, um, rest of your week and your weekend. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye.